Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson here on a Monday afternoon after a busy weekend in the college football world. Uh, we've got one primary topic to get to. We want to bring everybody to the table and sort of uh, take apart and look at the different angles to what's going on in the Pac-12. Uh, also, as we continue this week to cross our fingers that we are going to be moving towards a, a college football schedule, there will be throughout the week some headlines coming out of the Big 12. So we will have some schedules to break down there. Big 10 schedules, uh, as we discussed them loosely in our last podcast, you know, could drop at any minute and those will give us uh some opportunities to uh how many games are gonna win this fall go ahead and get into our win totals once we actually uh once we actually do that so uh gentlemen i guess uh we're the the pac-12 had published a letter hashtag we are united to the players tribune on sunday this was after initial reporting that indicated that there were groups of pac-12 players that had decided that maybe they would opt out of the season if they were not guaranteed um, some kinds of protections particularly as they are undergoing playing college football in the era of covid now the Okay, there's real quickly, there are health and safety protections. That's one of their categories. There is the uh, request to protect all sports, specifically preserve all existing sports by eliminating excessive expenditures. I'm sure that we'll get into uh, that piece of this. Number three, end racial racial injustice in college sports and society. Uh, their, their main items there or to form a permanent civic engagement task force. They're also requesting or demanding 2% of conference revenue be directed by players to support financial aid for low-income black students, community initiatives, and development programs. And then number four, and this was a big one, economic freedom and equity. Uh, This includes guaranteed medical expense coverage for six years after your college eligibility ends uh, for sports-related medical conditions, including COVID-19, name, image, and likeness, which of course is currently within the discussion of college sports and college football in general, and then fair market pay rights and freedoms. This includes uh, six-year athletic scholarships and uh, 50% of each sports total conference revenue evenly distributed among athletes in those respective sports. Now, Tom Fernelli was the writer on call at CBSSports.com. And not every off-season weekend is alike. 
Sometimes a whole weekend can just come and go and you're like, oh, we've got this cute, like Ralphie the Buffalo did something. Let's put up this video and call it a day. So Tom, I want you to, uh, I want you to open this up, you know, as the news was coming out and as you were digesting it and putting it together for CBSSports.com, what were some of the angles that stood out to you as particularly interesting or consequential? Uh, it was a lot. I mean, there, th- that was quite the list of demands. And it was they're clearly they're asking for a lot, but as you typically see in something like this, you you ask for a lot in hopes of getting some of it, and some of it you know you're not going to get. But I mean, it's a lot of this is stuff that we've seen the NCAA working towards already, and it, things seem to be going in that direction, like the the NL, the NIL stuff, all that kind of stuff is happening. It's just when it comes to the getting fifty percent of the revenue, you know, distributed among the athletes, that's one of those bridges that's probably too far. Cause I feel like if you're going to get that, you need to have a union and players in college student athletes are not unionized. So you really don't have a whole lot of leverage to get that. And then I, you know, the whole kind of telling Larry Scott, the administrators coaches to voluntarily and drastically reduce their excessive pay, which is how it was worded in there. And I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with that. I just think that a lot of these demands seem like really, really big based on what we've seen in the college landscape as it is and based on the way things work. But the truth is, like, if you look at that demand for insurance for six years after, you know, they leave school, that's not cheap. That's going to cost the schools money. And but the schools could do that if they weren't paying coaches as much as they're paying or if they weren't spending millions of dollars on facilities, that money could then be earmarked for health insurance. But the problem there that's going to run in for the NCAA and for conferences where they're going to say that's a no go is health insurance is something companies give employees. So if they're giving their players health insurance, ipso facto, they now become employees and if they become employees they can now unionize and if they become union union they can now start demanding 50 percent of the revenue to get them to play so this is going to be a very tricky situation i don't know if anything ultimately is going to come of this because a we don't know how many players are involved in this right now we've already seen a lot of players saying that hey you know i support what those guys are doing but i'm still going to play this year because it's it's, it's my decision to do so so I don't know if anything's going to come of it. It is definitely lofty goals. A lot of them are good goals. And I think a lot of this stuff is achievable if they want to do it. It's just I don't know how much we're going to see, particularly if we're going to if they're not never going to play until we've ended racial injustice in this country. I think we're all going to be waiting for sports for a while if that's going to be the case, because I don't think that's just something that anybody can do to make go away. So it's I I respect what they're doing. I appreciate what they're doing. I hope they get some of it. I do think that we will see in the next few years, because like I said, we're already heading in a direction for a lot of this stuff taking place as it is. I do think some of this is coming. I just think that, you know, they're they're shooting for the moon here, hoping they get something in return. I mean, there's a lot, there's so much, there's like so many directions to go with this. I think one, like The, I don't even know where to start, but I think one place to start is the like, idea that the COVID stuff, I'm, I'm curious, like where the COVID stuff falls in line, like, like what the, I'm, I'm finding out that student athletes appear to be, at least these guys appear to be concerned about their own safety, 
mm-hmm. in terms of of the COVID, its its impact, perhaps its long term impact. And I'm under the impression um, that the the sort of societal danger of playing football and getting all these guys around each other is less about the dangers to them of which they are already uh, absorbing dangers and just playing sports and the obvious sicknesses that could go into just being on a college campus and more about just sort of the, the societal responsibility not to further like the spread of COVID. And if anything, like the, 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 the people that are putting themselves in danger might be uh, coaches with pre-existing conditions, older staffers in the building, things of that nature. And so I am interested to know that this distinct sort of concern for their own in these situations. Cause I, all I can do is think about like what my mentality would be as a college athlete and and my mentality would be, all right, and I'm not saying I'm right, by the way. I'm just saying what I, what, like, I think uh, putting myself in those shoes to play to when I can play. Like, I'll do what you guys tell me. I and there, there seems to be a lot more concern lingering around college athletes than, than that. Um, so, or the other alternative is, like, this is sort of a – and, and I think this is this. They, they probably admit this to a degree. Is this is sort of just part of a bigger with the rights of us as student athletes, as 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 revenue generators for these programs, and just sort of. And I think that's probably really what it is. Um, but and I think the COVID has has just is a bullet point. Just like the revenue thing is sort of a bullet point. Just like um, the racial. Equality stuff is a bullet point like it's a lot of stuff together and that's really horrible that they're attacking this in that way in this really like holistic kind of way um i've just found in, in just purely digging into the covid element like i found that reaction to be interesting and i can say this too like i've talked to a coach um you know teams right now are in otas like a which is unique to like they don't usually have otas like sure. this is sort of the where they're it's like these half practices NFL style where they can only do so much with them but it's sort of getting them uh making up for some spring ball and uh, getting them ramping up towards preseason practice um and there are guys that are saying you know what coach comfortable coming in the building today there's been some positive COVID cases and I'm just I'm not gonna come in today and what are you supposed to say then as a coach? Like, I can tell you, like, there are coaches that are, like, a little bit annoyed. And they're kind of like, I just think the guy doesn't want to practice. And mm. that might be unfair, but it also might be true. Like, there might be some truth to that in some cases. There also might the the reality that in some cases guys legitimately are concerned. And that's fair, too. Uh, but I just think all of this has created an environment in which, like, there is like like the Pac-12 might not play football this year. If any if any conference doesn't play, it will be the Pac-12, and and because of just the COVID stuff, because it's it's, it's worse in LA and California, and I think in Washington and some of the, those areas than anywhere else, or as bad as anywhere else. And so, if there's ever a time to sort of demand that 
I think there is there is leverage because of the health and uncertainty of it all for now. To their credit, I think it's been really well thought out. I think they're 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 really uh, the people I've seen quoted have been really articulate in their viewpoints. I I, I think it's I think this is a really thinking big sort of approach uh, that has a lot of layers to it. Um, I don't know. That, that, that's the only way I go with it. It has a ton of layers to it, as you men- mentioned, Barton. I mean, it is so complex. Uh, you just like you just made me think of ten different directions I wanted to go just from your answer there, your reply. I think it's I think it's harder than ever to be a college football coach. Mm. Like I really do. At any it, to be the head coach, to be the coordinator, to be the position coach, and that was before the pandemic. Now you throw this in, and it's like I look at it. I'm like, thank goodness I didn't go to coaching. I don't know how you manage all of this because a lot of in. I, I can hear the fan that says, well, that's why they get paid millions, right? And that's the that's the easy response. But a lot of coaches don't get in it for the millions. Some clearly do. Some get in it because they like ball, right? They just want to coach ball. That's what they want to do. Um, but to manage all these things, I can imagine coaches rolling their eyes being like, oh, geez, like we got to worry about this now. This is one more layer to what I have to manage as a head coach. Um as it pertains to the list of demands, I think it's it's interesting because I don't – I'm a little bit more skeptical of the motives behind it. Like if you rank to me like what was the priority? Because I think some of this stuff is easy. Like of course the players need to be heard on COVID-19 precautions. Of course. Like unequivocally you have to do that. Um, to make uh, you know their case for racial injustice or to have a, a committee that's formed or to have a group that hears the player's voice – of course, that is a simple solution. I do think it's intriguing that they chose to throw in the, the hey, we need a portion of the revenues. We need some of the money because that's been this massive movement that has been slowly bubbling for the past 20, 30 years, I would say, slowly. But all of a sudden, in the last three to five years, it's really had this crescendo and they threw this in like, hey, 50% of revenues. And yeah, it's never going to happen because it's unrealistic. And they also chose about the worst time to try to play hardball with you know, the Pac-12 or any conference because of the financial situation they all find themselves in due to COVID-19. But I don't know. I'm a little bit more skeptical. I don't know if the, I don't know if the motives behind it are as pure as some people are making it out to be. You know, like, I think it, I think it's more about we want to get paid. Like I just be like that's what so, I think a lot of this has to do with. I mean, you may be right, but I, I will say, Bomani Jones had a story. I don't know if you guys read it, um, where he he talked to a lot of the like several of the players on the records that were. Um, They've got four hundred on the group me. Their group me chat right now has four hundred <laughs> players, which sounds like a nightmare. hide alerts yeah do not disturb please (laughs) but but that there was actually a quote in there where it was where where they they said like we almost we were we were we reluctantly included the the revenue side of it in there because we didn't want to make it about that because we were worried people were gonna were gonna harp on that but the more we thought about it the more the more it, it it's so intertwined interrelated that it's in a, it's unavoidable the revenue isn't this the it, it the players um 
if they want to get things done, we have seen this uh, opt out or boycott practice. We've seen it. What a Missouri uh, university president has been removed when the Missouri football team decided I that think they it was the president. I can't remember exactly who it was, but there was somebody that removed. Yeah. Uh, you know, we saw Marvin Wilson and Chuba Hubbard just earlier this summer. Like there are so few tools for a modern college football player to try to exact any kind of leverage that the thing that stood out to me was the, how wide it spans. And then, you know, when we've got um, Elijah Molden, one of the top players in college football, somebody who's going to be potentially a first or second round pick next year, he had an, a lengthy explanation of wanting to seek an end where they do play football. He wants to play football, but also wanting to see this as an opportunity to, I mean, just, just change some of the power dynamic just a little bit. And I, I think that it is something that is consequential, but like like we're all saying here, it's incredibly complex. There's so many layers to it. I mean, we we had a message come in that was like, oh, are you guys not going to do an emergency podcast about this? It's like, no. You know what we do emergency podcasts about? Things that we can exact facts from and have mm-hmm. reactions. Like coach gets fired, coach gets hired, player gets injured. There are items that we can discuss and we can talk about what's next and what it means. And for something like this, it seems incredibly important but I also cannot predict where things go from here. But I do believe that, you know, even as, uh, as you mentioned, the Pac-12 might not even play football. I do think that the organization here, I do think the way that uh, it was thought out and the fact that, you know, Penny Sewell is put his name to it. I mentioned Elijah Molden's put his name to it. The Bruce Feldman reporting that that group me chat of all the players has now reached over 400 players. I think that asking to asking for the Pac-12 and asking for college football's leadership to come to the table, I, I think it is impressive. I think it takes courage, and I hope that the result that comes out of it is going to end up bringing some kind of positivity. Obviously, discouraged by some of the reaction, though. I got to say, it's uh, a little bit predictable. And for you know, like Barton, those coaches that you're discussing, this is. This is going to be a conversation that they need to have. You know, um, Bruce Feldman reported that Herm Edwards has been in discussion with some of his players and he was supportive of what they were doing. Multiple athletic directors have had conversations that were described as, quote, helpful and productive. Even if these are just going to get college football's leaders to, to come to the table and have these discussions, then there is some positivity that can come for it just by the organization and publishing the letter. And I also think that while the money demands are like the revenue demands are going to obviously they have been commanding a lot of the attention from what was on that list. I I think that a lot of the motivation for putting that on there is simply, like I said at the start, is like a negotiation tactic where you put this on there and then you're not really expecting to get 50 percent of revenue. You probably realistically aren't expecting to get zero. You're hoping to get that two percent of the revenue to go towards, you know, like the donations for like community funds and to start that kind of thing. But I think they're putting that in there so they could say, okay, well, we'll give up on this, but if you can give us this. I think it's just a negotiation thing. I don't think any of the players are truly expecting to get 50% of the revenue or even 10% of the revenue for themselves. So I I don't know if that's the true motivation behind it. That's where I disagree with you on that, Danny. And also, I would say 
I think that he, I think this is the best time to make those demands, honestly, because the colleges are looking around right now saying it's terrified of all the money they're probably going to lose if they don't have football. If we just look at the way that they're responding and everybody's been kind of scrambling to make sure that they have a season. I think when they're already kind of scared about how much money they're going to lose making those kind of demands and saying, well, we just won't play if you don't give them to us and then you're going to lose your season. Now is a good time because they don't have any leverage. And I think that they might not have more leverage than they would right now because of the pandemic. Serious question. Let's say some, whoever, I don't know who the decision maker would be. Let's say someone was like, all right, deal. You got it. You get 50% of the revenue. Who, who can <laughs> even, who even like authorizes that? Like yeah. where, where does, who how, distributes does this, how does the structure exactly. of that even get signed off on and by whom? And like, I mean, shoot for the moon. That's great, but like, I, I, I don't. Where does that have to begin? Like, but Congress? Would, I don't even know. But then, wouldn't that, like, let's just say hypothetically, that I mean, clearly, it would probably be Larry Scott. Wouldn't he have to be the one that would be the decision maker in this one as the commissioner of the Pac-12? But my instant thing was, all right, well, does that mean that they're getting salaries? You know, like, and that that goes back to Tom's room. They don't have a union. Like, is that like that? If that all came about, it would be the end of college football as we know it like then it would clearly it would be minor league nfl or whatever you know whatever name it was it would not be college football anymore which scares me i don't you guys seem a little bit more progressive in your thinking towards hey you know this is probably going to happen this needs to happen i'm a little bit more old school and i think the name image and likeness was a really good compromise for players that felt exploited that hey if if i'm trevor lawrence and i could make X amount of dollars because I'm Trevor Lawrence, then who should stop him from doing that? But I'm not willing to go as far to say, well, you know, Trevor Lawrence needs to be paid as does every player in the Pac-12 because they play football. So I'm, I'm constantly at war with myself with that because there's the there's the college football fan in me that's like, I just want to have my football. And then there's there's the person that's just outside of it is like, well, I want them to get what they deserve or at least more than what they're getting. But I'm not I'm not in that like column of a scholarship and all that stuff, like people saying that they don't get paid at all. I don't think that's true because a scholarship is worth a lot of money, particularly now with what we see with like, I just look at so many of my friends who graduated from college who had to, you know, took student loans, they get their degree, but the degree isn't worth as much as it used to be. And more so they're saddled with student loans. So for a college a student athlete to be able to get a scholarship and to be able to get their school for free and get that degree and leave without all those loans, I think is a huge thing for them. It's just, I still don't think that if we're looking at it from how much they're generating income compared to how much they're getting, I don't think that they're really getting enough of a share. I think they're getting a lot already, but I think they, there's probably some wiggle room where they deserve a little more. And I think that I, I agree with you on that. I think the NIL is a very good step towards evening that process out. And, and I, I think too, that the idea of equally distributing 50% of the revenue to the players in the PAC 12 still doesn't solve the problem. Like you still got the same no. problem you had before, which is uh Pene Sewell is worth more than the, you know, the 55th guy on the roster. And so to me, you, you're just kicking the can down the road. Now I will say this, like I, so I've always been big on the NIL thing, just opening the floodgates and just say, look, man, Hey, if, if boosters want to buy players, who's, who's hurt by that? Like, let them do it. I don't care. And so I, I, all of that I'm on board with, but I do think that, for the first time, like I do, this has sort of opened my eyes a little bit to thinking about, well, 
because I'm always like, well, you, you know, like these revenue sports pay for everything else and like they pay for all these other sports and I would hate to see all that collapse. But like that money, the reason, like there, there is money to go around in the sense that I'm starting to, if you recalibrate your thinking of like, you know what, maybe Nick Saban doesn't deserve $10 million a year. Like maybe the going rate for a head football coach in the Pac-12 should be 200 grand instead of 4 million. Like if you think about it that way, like, yeah, like there, there, it creates a little bit more room for that revenue to be shared in, in, in more places than maybe I had initially considered. I still think, again, it doesn't solve the real problem. And the real problem is solved by opening the, the, the name, image, likeness floodgates and, and deregulating it completely. Uh, but I'm, I've changed. I've started to shift my opinion a little bit to where, yeah, maybe, like maybe it's there is a viable path to just paying players, which I don't want. I don't like. I don't really that, that doesn't really sit well in terms of just the, the the finances of college athletics. But you know, I'm starting to change my opinion on that a little bit. So the finances of college athletics are built on a model of nonprofit, and when the revenue being generated continues to grow. We got to spend that revenue somewhere. Right. And so the market. And you get waterfalls in your locker room. Yeah. yeah. The, then the, the market <laughs> value of coaches or the arms race that are digital touchscreen lockers. And it, it just becomes like new ways to go and put this money. And I think that that's probably where I am, my entry point for being open minded. I don't have good answers, but man, that. The, the system being the financial system being built uh, on the idea that it is just for uh, that that we can continue to allow the market value for coaches to continue to skyrocket without compensating the players that we can continue to invest this money in some of the uh, incredible facilities and these big university events without compensating the players like that that sort of is where uh, I become willing to listen. And again, I, I don't know. I don't know if 50% is right. I don't, it's probably not, but I am definitely willing to listen when you consider that changing the rules of the market would also, like you mentioned, like it would change the, the cost of these coaches because of what these universities would be willing to spend. So the, I mean, the, the, with, with this, this PAC 12 United thing is this, it's this message of, Obviously, we talked about it, a lot, a lot of stuff, but but ultimately, like from the the revenue side of it, all it's really asking is it's saying, hey coach, hey coach, um, can you take Rolovich. a pay cut? <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey coach Rolovich in Washington State, I'm gonna go over here to this Pac-12 United meeting where we're gonna talk about uh, how we need to get more revenue out of this deal. And oh, by the way, like the only place that's coming from is your paycheck. So I hope you're cool with that. And because because like you're saying, I mean, you can make a you can make a case for all right, all the waterfalls and the locker rooms and the touchscreens, all that stuff like that's just at least being invested back mm -hmm. into the student athlete, back into their experience. And I think that there's there like that gets glossed over. There's something to be said for that. Like that is meaningful. That is like you're getting the best experience, the best like best athletic treatment, training care anywhere. But the, the one like sort of. Like like the outlier, like the, the the thing that's not like the other is the salaries. Like the salaries is ultimately like what you point to and you say like that is like we're 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 
where all these African American from uh, uh, underprivileged communities come in and and busting our butt, and all the white coaches are getting the money. And like that's ultimately what it boils down to, and that's that's how it gets back to the Black Lives Matter movement and all that stuff too, which is I think an inspiration for all of this. But I think that's just like the Rolovich thing. I mean, we haven't really touched on that whole incident, but like, I mean, I don't know, I don't know why Nick Rolovich is hating on the Pac-12 United thing, but if he's smart, probably should, because if it hits, it's his pocket that's going to take it. <laughs> Are we all cool with all like? Because it's great for us in our business when somebody's giving you everything from an SEC call, you know, with the the commissioner and all the student athletes. It's great for us when a mom records a conversation between a player and a coach. But man, there's just something changed. Like I, again, it goes back to being it's the hardest time ever to be a head coach. You think my man? I actually Nick Rolovich was on the Denver Broncos with me. We were like quarterbacks four and five on the depth chart in Denver. He's a great dude known for a long time. And I was just thinking like, I wonder what he thought. And I actually don't think what he said was horrendous. I think he he was incredibly honest with one of his players saying, you know what, there's going to be some blowback if you decide to go this way. Uh, And he's, and thank goodness. He said, if, you know, if it's COVID concerns, you're good. Cause I could imagine some (laughs) coach, even like as Barton was saying before saying, well, if you want to take COVID, you can take it. But, you know, like I could see that conversation. Thankfully, he said you have your concerns. But I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I'm comfortable with all these conversations coming out that are being secretly recorded. It's great for us. But I and, and it maybe it's maybe it's better that way. But all of a sudden, these conversations are going to stop because coaches and commissioners are going to be like, hey, this dialogue that we're trying to have with you guys there's no trust involved in it anymore. Well, there's no trust if you're recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just exactly. like the trust was not there if you were recording the conference. I mean, it goes back to Mark Jackson's time with the Golden State Warriors. Like it, it, every now and then it just pops up. And I'm sure in business and in politics, I mean, everybody is taping something trying to save themselves or protect themselves because they do not trust that uh, the the person on the other end of the line has their best interest at heart. And that gets to something else here that on the SEC call and with the Pac-12 players, I think that there is a breakdown in communication that I am not even willing to blame on the university leaders and the conference leaders exclusively because it's happening everywhere. And so these players, like a lot of us, feel helpless. We're getting mixed messages all the time. And you feel like you're getting gaslit. Like, you know, you're just like, what, am I supposed to believe that it is safe just because a staffer comes around with a little spray gun, like on the like little handles once every hour? Like just because we're only working out in the weight room in groups of 15 or Justin Fuente has on a face shield that it's all good now. Like the, the one of the things that uh, spark, according to Bruce Feldman, one of the things that sparked uh, some of these conversations was uh, a Dennis Dodd article on June 30th, in which a university of Illinois computer science professor predicted that 30 to 50% of the nation's FBS players would get infected with COVID-19 this season. And that three to seven players would die. This is a, a certified expert with a quote to the Dodd father himself And that really alarmed Cal offensive lineman, Jake Curran, you know, and it is because we have all these messages. Your school is saying you're going to be fine. And then you're reading these reports that are like three to seven of you may die. Like that is And did you see, did you see the update on that? Uh Uh-uh. 
Dodd published today an update with that very same doctor who's now a little more optimistic. So even the expert that this is based off of has now changed his prediction, which just shows how fluid of a situation that we're dealing with when you're trying to make the right decision for yourself, for your team, for your school, for hundreds and thousands of people. And the information's changing because we're getting new information on everything every day. So we're learning more and there's more quote unquote data coming in that we're choosing or we're using to make predictions for what's going to happen. And so it's like we're making a decision on Monday based on what we know. And then on Friday, what we kind of know might not even really matter anymore because everything new we've learned is like, oh, wait, that's not a big deal anymore. Was he more optimistic, like zero or was it down to one <laughs> uh, or two? No, no, no. <laughs> was it it's down know. to one or two. He went from three to seven player deaths to one or two. So still not exactly what we would call an ideal scenario, in which it's like, oh, hey, only two players are going to die this year if we play. But but. Better than three to seven, mathematically, can't argue with that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even gonna say it. I mean, how many? Tell you how many? I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. I hear no, but I think I I think I know where you're going. Un- there are stuff happens like, and it's unfortunate, but players get into a car. Like, you, I don't know. Is that where you were going? Like somewhere yeah, along those lines? Like, yes. Yeah. I mean, okay, you don't want to speak that into existence. Don't don't put that evil on our podcast. <laughs> that's my fault. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Keep them coming. I'm going to keep baiting Danny into saying the, 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 I'm going to act like I'm going to say it and get Danny to finish my sentence. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's hit Rolovich on the other side. All right. Coming up on the other side, uh, Washington State. Head coach Nick Rolovich has found himself in a very precarious position in the court of public opinion. Uh, How's it going to go? Well, we'll discuss next. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. So, uh, Danny mentioned before, Nick Rolovich had a conversation with uh, a player on his team, and the conversation was taped by his mother, correct? Mother or father. It was one of his parents. And uh, you can be, I've seen the transcript on 24 7 Sports, among other places. You can go and read it all for yourself. And um, it has put him in a position where the advice that he has given to this player and reportedly, and this is what really stinks about the situation is that it was a lot of rumor and hearsay on Twitter, which is always the place where all the truth is going to be found. Right. Uh, you know, is he making all the players who join the, we are United movement, clean out their lockers. Is he kicking them off the team? Is he throwing them out of the program? Is he saying your scholarship's good for this year, but we'll see about next year. bud. I think that Nick Rolovich is going to, have an opportunity, hopefully, to elaborate on this himself. I look forward to him elaborating on this himself. Um, I don't, I don't know. I guess uh, Danny, your personal relationship with him. 
Uh, so, and I kind of alluded to it before, because I think you had an open, con, uh, candid ca- uh, conversation with a player, and you told them there could be, quote, an issue. Uh, here's Rolovich's quote. There's going to be an issue if you align with them as far as future stuff. The COVID stuff is one thing, but joining this group, it's going to be different. If you say I'm opting out because of COVID and health and safety, I'm good, but this group is going to change how things go in the future for everybody, at least at our school. Um, I think it's, you guys tell me if I'm wrong on this one. I think it's equivalent. Like, I don't think that means that Nick Rolovich is threatening him, although that's the way he took it. Um, Is it that much different than when, you know, if you had a player that came out as gay and you said, that's going to be really hard on you. It doesn't mean you're anti-gay or anti-anything. It just means you're alerting to him that, hey, this this could cause some issues for you. Is it, that, is it different than that? Because that's what it felt like to me. Now, I am clearly biased in this. And, you know, I, but I, that to me is what I felt like he was giving him open, you know, hey, th- this might be not even be from me. You're going to catch some heat from this. And there might be some blowback. And if you guys decide to sit out, you may lose your scholarship. Like, I, I, that to me is how I took it. It's, it's sort of a warning to him. And it wasn't a, although there are, <laughs> there are some reports now that players have been kicked off the team. But it didn't feel like that. It felt like a conversation of this is what I think could happen. I, it's it's hard because I didn't hear the call. Like I, it's it's when you just read transcripts. One right. of the difficult things is you don't really get the full context of the conversation going because you can't hear the tone being used when discussing it. Like was it a threatening tone or was he just like I don't know? This could lead to an issue. And the way I read it, just from what I'm reading, the quotes. It's, listen, if you're opting out because of the COVID, then you, I think it's, you know, okay, they, we've got our parameters in place. You could still go about, you know, being around the team, doing what you need to do. But if you opt out of the season as part of this movement, you're opting out of the team. And if you're opting out of the team, then you're not allowed to be around the team. You're not allowed to be in the facility. You need to clean out your locker. You you can't work out in the weight room. You can't be a part of all this stuff if you're opting out. And that's what I read. At least that's the, that's the impression I was getting. I don't know if he was kicking him off the team or threatening to kick him off the team as much as he was just saying, all right, but if you do this, you realize you're not with the team. So you can't be here doing all this stuff with the team. I'm not, I don't know the right answer, but I do think that what someone may look for in those situations is that your first word is, I support you. You know, that mm-hmm. your first word isn't like, oh, it's going to go bad for you. It's it like it's the order of the statements. It's the first thing is like, okay, well, let me listen to you. Or, okay, tell me more. Or, you know, I support what you're going for. And I, I think that if you introduce the conversation with a supportive notion, then you can build into let's have a back and forth about what the consequences are going to be. Because all of these uh, type movements are going to have consequences and consequences as in like results of uh, declaring the movement and being, taking those steps forward. There is going to be, you know, blowback or pushback. That is the whole idea of tension. That is the whole idea of trying to create any kind of progress or shake up a system that has been so well entrenched. So I think that's what, I think that's what somebody who would maybe be his family or the player himself. I think if the entry point of the conversation is a little bit more supportive and not like a, 
Yeah, well, good luck there. We'll see how that goes, bud. Well, how much How much do you guys think that the fact that Nick Rolovich is the new coach at Washington State played into this? Because if, if this is a coach that's been there for five years who recruited the player to the school and they have a longer relationship compared to Nick Rolovich just took over and, you know, we haven't had spring practices. We have players haven't been on campus because of the pandemic. So new coaches really haven't had a chance to get to know their players. So if you're Cassidy Woods, you're talking to a guy that you don't really know yet. Mm. And now no tr- you're telling back him again, that no you're trust. opting out. Yeah. Now it's like, so you've got nothing to base your relationship on. And now like maybe the first real conversation you're having with your new coach is, I'm part of this group. I'm not playing. I mean, I, so it's it's one of those things where I there's so many factors at play here that we really can't get glean just from a transcript or even the recording of the call because we don't know which parts of the call. I, there was a recording. It's been taken down. I haven't been able to hear it. So we don't know what parts we were you know, privy to. So there, there's a whole lot of context here that we don't know. And it's kind of I, I, I don't know. I, I think, like I said earlier, I think what I took away is this was just, listen, if you're opting out, you're not on the team. So you can't be here. Yeah, and I, and I think – so I think there's – like part of it I think is Nick Rolovich not really even understanding like fully – like what does it mean if you're part of the uh, Pac-12 – I, I apologize, I don't even know the name of it. We are united. united. We are united. The, the We are united group. Like he may not know what that means in the sense of like, all right, so are you are you legitimately like boycotting the season? Like are you not playing this year? And if you are – like – if you are not playing this year, I mean, it's tough for me to say it, but if you're choosing not to play this year for, uh, you know, b- and making that sacrifice for the greater good of future college athletes, like you got to take, take all of that. Like that's a sacrifice. Like it's a sacrifice. Like there, there are benefits to being on a team. And if you are, are, are bypassing those benefits for making a sort of a, a statement and a gesture for the the future of college athletes, well, okay, but like you, yeah, you can't you can't be in the in the building, man. And and if, if the COVID thing, obviously, you can't be in the building. But like, I I actually think even if he was talking about the the Pac-12 United thing, like if he's going all in on it and if he's serious about it, I I don't really have a problem with that either. Like I, I and and that's not a statement against the 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 we are united movement either, but. Either you're making a sacrifice or you're not, and I think the whole part of the the, the thing that's difficult, like you can't have it both ways. You can't have like all the benefits of being an athlete, all, all everything that comes with it, and just sit out. I don't know what he wanted to sort of sit out. The games, it seems like, is the only thing he wants to sit out. Um, and so, yeah, I think Nick Rolovich can, rather regardless of what he's like referring to, I think it's okay for him to be like, that's all right, Cass. Like we're good with it. Like. I, I support you. I, I'm 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 behind you. You know, you talk to me anytime about it. But we got a team to run, man. Like we got to deal with the guys in the building that are on this team that are, are helping us win on Saturdays. Mm. Um, the SEC, <laughs> the SEC call that uh, was taped and obtained by the Washington Post was posted on Saturday. In that included, um, you know. Con- well said concerns about the what some of the players who feel and especially this was interesting that they might feel confident or comfortable even within the facility 
but that the idea of going to class and the idea of sharing space with classmates was particularly concerning. Tom, again, you were the you were the weekend writer, so just getting hammered on Saturday and Sunday by all this real heavy breaking news. Um, what's uh, what were uh, some of your takeaways from that? Uh, that players aren't all that different from any of us in that nobody has, and p- people at the SEC aren't all that different from anybody else in that nobody really knows. This is this is uncharted territory for everybody involved, and the players are asking, okay, well, you know, what are we going to do for this? And the people in charge are kind of like, uh, we don't know. And then it's like, well, what about this? Yeah, no, that sucks. We don't know. So it's like everybody's in the same boat. Like, you know, like you said, Chip, one of the big concerns was it's like, okay, we're players. We're showing up. We've got guidelines. We've got parameters we're supposed to follow. We're not in a bubble, but we're doing everything we're told to do. And there are 10,000 other students in this school who aren't on this football team, who aren't following these rules. And I've got to go to class and I've got to sit around these people who might have been, you know, out at the bar last night with 50 other students and they might be sick and they might be spreading it to me. And the answer is, yes, sit in the back of the room. Yeah, because I mean, (laughs) oh, okay, cool. I didn't realize that there were studies that showed COVID-19 didn't travel to the back of the room. It's only staying up front. So I'm fine. So it's it's one of it's just it's again, it's it's a situation in which there are no answers where everybody's got questions, but nobody has an answer because we're not in a position where anybody knows we've never been here before. We've never had to deal with this. We don't know what the long-term effects are. We don't know. Like we've seen Eduardo Rodriguez, the Boston Red Sox pitcher developed a heart condition after recovering from it. How often is that going to happen? Or was that actually from COVID or were there already underlying concerns there and the COVID just kind of exposed it? We don't know. We're not going to know these things for years. So it's like everybody's trying to figure it out at once, talking to each other, trying to come up with a plan to at least feel like there is a plan but as we're seeing in baseball, as we're recording this, a bunch of Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals, are joining the Marlins and being positive for coronavirus because a couple of players reportedly went to a casino. So everybody's just hoping that there's a plan. And all these plans that keep coming out, especially as we've seen outside of bubbles, aren't really working out because that's just not how life works. Life isn't going to stop and make sure that athletes aren't getting sick. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it, it does make it, it, it also sort of brings up the point of, you know, all these people are talking about, uh, you can't have football if there's no students on campus. It's like, well, actually that would That'd be, be the way best. better. That'd be <laughs> the best way to do it. It's Should. just then it's, but then you're, you know, you've kind of, you're kind of showing your hand in the, well, this isn't, you know, it's about the student athlete. It's about the student experience of being by yourself with nobody other students on campus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It, it, the way the article was written and the response to the to the article in the Washington Post was see like it was it, I didn't I don't like the tone I always think that and it comes for the dynamic that players are exploited that they're taking advantage of I thought they were pretty honest on the call like which yeah. I think is okay for them to say well I don't maybe sit in the back of the class like they don't have a great answer like I like if there was Dr. Fauci, he'd probably say the same thing, like try to keep your distance. I mean, that's kind of what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And yet they get mocked for it and saying it. Um, you know, I think it was Sankey who had the line that said, well, you know, everything. There was something along those lines of, well, everything has risk. We're just going to have to go forward. And, you know, like but ultimately, I think that's the attitude that college football, if they want to try to go forward with this, is to say, 
and admit we're willing to take on those risks. Like the article that the Dodfather put out, yep, you guys, a lot of you probably are, but, and maybe one or two die, but that's a really, but like they would get crushed if they admitted that. But that's kind of the attitude that they have to take, that they have to take on. So they're trying to, they're trying to do that without admitting they're doing that, which is why this, this piece comes out and they get shredded for it because it's very clear that's the mindset they have. It was but gotcha. They but I, I give a, I can appreciate again, kind of like Rolovich, that they had this dialogue with the players, that they gave them the opportunity to ask some really tough questions because there's going to be even of these questions. When the season starts, there are going to be questions that arise once again that are going to bring up more complications, and they've got to be ready to address them. So I actually I commend them for trying and to be you know be honest. But I just I, whenever there's a tone, there's a tone in a lot of articles that are written about college football, and I sensed it in this one. Like there was a little snarky comment about. Um, you know, they asked the doctor on the call, but he said, well, I'm not a epidemiologist. I'm a, you know, I'm a heart surgeon or whatever it was. And they kind of mocked that like, oh, this is their quote expert. Well, yeah, they don't have somebody there like that from that university that can answer that question. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, I think there's a tone in a lot of them that just think this is all crazy and maybe it is, but I think that's the, that's the way that the, the article was written and wanted to paint it. Yeah, I think I think what this this was like it was like a very gotcha headline. Very gotcha. Read, yeah. When you read the article, it's like okay, this was just a pretty standard call. And when I was make when I was making the jokes about the you know sitting in the back of the classroom, it wasn't to mock what they were telling him. It was just to mock that that's the situation we are currently in, where it's like <laughs> yeah, that's the well, advice. Crap, I don't know. <laughs> right. Sit <in> the back. <laughs> Although if so, there was a really good looking girl in the first row, you might. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to move up to the front that day. Hey, shoot your shot. You know, it's all exactly. about risks and rewards. Bring an extra mask, whatever you have to do. Yeah. yeah it's, Wearing two masks. You're so fine. Uh, yeah, it's it's bananas. And look, again, I, this is something that we will continue to try and digest and try to provide the uh, you know analysis and opinions and insight that we can we don't have the answers, but um, you know we'll we'll continue to track this because Danny, as you mentioned, man, I kind of feel like we're gonna have to keep having these tough conversations. Like season will start, you know, August 29th here in 26 days, but then we're still gonna have you know questions and concerns, and a game's gonna get canceled, and then we're gonna have to continue to uh, look at all the different ways that coaches and administrators are handling it. But um, you know, look forward to. Uh, to being along in the ride with you gentlemen well look we're, we're gonna have at some point we're gonna have win totals i hope i hope vegas gives us win totals Count <laughs> at some point we're gonna have some buzz around preseason practices you know oh, wrong button <laughs> players that are making a buzz camp camp buzz <laughs> so look i, I we could talk about this every week and probably every week throughout the season and it'd be our main talking point. There's just not a lot else that we, that there's, I mean, this is sort of the only thing going right now, but we're really close to having some preseason camps. We're really close to pads popping. I am so anxious to talk about that stuff. And I'm also really chipping, chipping away at my music exploration. Oh, we got to have a music pod. Yeah. That have been coming through. 
So I'm gotta, I'm, I'm, I'll get my rankings ready pretty soon, and we'll, we'll, we'll be able to talk music on the pod too. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Tom Fidel. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Derp.